How close do I have to be to get it into the camera? Oh, this close. Look at me, I'm so cute. Yes, go. Churros. Brigadero. Calzone. Apple pie. Welcome back to another episode of Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes, and my guest today is Mr. Fermentation himself. Born in New Jersey and at the age of 26, after graduating from culinary school, he was hired by Bon Appetit, where later he had his YouTube channel sensation, It's Alive with Bread, where he explores the science and adventure of fermenting foods and more. His cookbook, Field Notes for Food Adventure, came out last year. He loves fishing, woodworking, surfing, and even forging, and maybe more things. Mr. Brand Leone, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. So you like surfing? I do. Yeah, I find it to be, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, just you, you know what I mean? And, and, and the ocean and a large lake for that matter. Uh, but like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just you, you can't blame anyone else when, you know, it's uh it can be the most fun thing. It can be frustrating. It can be extremely dangerous. Um, but I found it to be highly rewarding and very therapeutic. And, uh, you know, I mean, like one of the, it's a, it's a cliche quote, but you know, they're, they're cliche for a reason. The best surfer is the one having the most fun. And I find I, when I do have fun, it's just, it's the best. The reason I'm asking is because the first question I always ask on a podcast is, have you ever been to Portugal since I'm from Portugal originally? Have you ever been there? No, but I would love to. And I'm very familiar with the, what I think you're about to bring up, but the large, that yeah. giant wave. I always say the wrong the name, Nazara. Or, N- Nazare. Uh, how yes. is it pronounced? Nazare. Nazare. Yeah. yeah. 86 feet tall. Yeah, I think it even. I think they've like measured it like larger, right? What's yeah. that guy Garrett? Um, I'm the worst with names. That, it's it, okay. If you have just a, say just say Garrett. Yeah, it's okay. It's it, it might not even be Garrett, but I think it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, them guys and there's 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 women that are charging it now. Absolutely insane, man. Where it's just like that deep water. I'm assuming just comes up and hits that big rocky shelf ledge there, and it's it's, it's mountains. And these guys, the guys on the jet skis are even crazier. Like yeah. it's. The whole thing's nuts. I just want to yeah. go and, and watch when it's when it's pumping one day. Other than surfing, Portugal's been high on my list just as like a, a cultural and culinary destination. I think it's, it uh, it became it became a thing lately. I, okay, I, oh, is that real? I always yeah, I always make a joke that Portugal became famous because Americans found out that Portugal exists. Possible. I mean, I'm, I'm not being mean, right? Portugal no, was Spain for a lot of people for some reason. You know, people got comfortable going to Italy and then then all of a sudden mom and dad are going to the Basque region and then all of a sudden they found out about a, a place called Portugal. I think yeah. I think you're uh, I, I think your senses are, are right on. See, there you go. We got fishing. We got woodworking. We got a bunch of things. Is there any new hobby that you get into? Uh, I guess in the fishing world, I've been doing a bit of um, spear fishing uh, in the ocean. And that's okay. just that's been that's been incredible. Uh, I, I really enjoy gardening. You know, fruits and vegetables and, and, and stuff like that and trees. I like things that are I like things that I can grow. My wife does a bit more flowers than I, um, but I really enjoy growing things that I can that produce. What do you wish you could grow there in Connecticut? That's impossible. Oh, citrus. Oh uh, yeah. Impossible, no. Uh if you <laughs> there's have no a, such if thing. You, if you have a, a greenhouse, you know, there's a company, I forget the name, right on brand, but uh, there's a company in New Jersey who successfully farms uh, I'm assuming in greenhouses, yuzu, 
like on mm-hmm. a commercial scale, which is which is pretty neat. But I've always been jealous jealous of my fr- Mediterranean friends and and folks out in like California and stuff where you oh just walk outside. There's lemon trees and lime trees. Very, it's kind of it's pretty awesome. You know, not saying that Portugal is the best country and I always bring it up, but going to school, it's very <laughs> it's very common. You go to school and you just have random like tangerine and orange trees on which school. That. So you just pick it and you just eat it. Nobody gets upset because it's just the middle of the road. Yeah, it's almost happens. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. We have apples, you know, yeah. apples up here in New England. But yeah, for sure, you know, uh, I guess the grass is always greener. But I agree, the, the, the limited growing season up here. I mean, we have our gems, but there's certain things that we just can't get. You know, yeah. Portugal, you guys got ramps. You got ramps growing around on the sidewalks up you know, there. But you, you, we don't that much. So <laughs> that's cool. We have tons of them here. Hey, leave us alone. It's okay, we got oranges. Pick a ramp. <laughs> We got oranges and surf, and you have ramps. There you go. Growing up, who was the best cook in the family? Oh, you're picking fights. Um, no, I think they both had their own really big strong points. You know, like uh, my mom did a lot of like classic, like American or just Italian kind of cuisines. You know, like she made a great tomato and meatball and sausage and pork chop kind of gravy sauce. And then, um, you know, she also she made great chicken. She, they all had like their you know, there are 10 dishes that were like, you know, you really, they, they nailed, that was their thing. Eggplant and chicken parm. My dad never made it, you know, but my mom made it and it was, it was a thing, you know, it was awesome. Large format, eat it cold the next day. But uh, my dad, yeah, he, he had like oddly, though nothing to do with family or lineage or anything, but he had, he was oddly very influenced by like Cajun cuisine, you know, so he was making like crawfish crawfish etouffee and stuff like I, I in the middle like in northern new jersey in the woods like not many folks were doing that so it was gonna he, he really like making jambalaya and we made like venison and pork andouille together which was really neat so i kind of picked up like a curiosity for different types of cuisines with that and then my mom kind of they both had they didn't always have the best ingredients always did like a home-cooked meal you know what i mean it was never and i've said this i've told this before like it was never like just hot dogs and like box mac and cheese, which is like not to get away, not to take away from that. Cause at the end of the day, you know, any food is better than no food, especially when it comes to feeding kids, you know, but, uh, but like the point being, they always, it was very important that we had dinner together and that they made, they made food. You know, my dad, they both had, my dad had a little vegetable garden and that's kind of where I fell in love with like the, the, the joys of seasonality and like, having a tomato and I write about this in, in that cookbook that I made that you mentioned, but just like the joy of, and for folks that don't live in paradises where you can grow tomatoes and citrus year round, the joy of seasons and having, looking forward to getting perfect, beautiful vine ripened actual tomatoes for two, three months out of the year. And then kind of taking a break from that for the rest of the year, instead of just getting the, the white, you know, kind of garbage potato, or I'm sorry, tomato that you get, you know, in February in the supermarket around here. And, and not that it's garbage, but it certainly doesn't compare to that perfect sun vine ripened something you grew in a controlled soil or controlled everything, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's hard to beat. I always tell people, if you're one of those people go to Italian restaurant and order a caprese salad in February, something is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not the move, you know, um, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, I'm just absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it's been fun so they both cooked and uh, it's kind of where i i always liked eating and i always kind of dabbled with just making my own little stuff whether it was sandwiches or eggs or what you know i i think everyone goes through a little like or at least i did went to like a little sandwich kind of kick you know it was like my thing you know i remember like portobello mushrooms i don't know why this is such like a strong memory but like 
doing like balsamic, like reduced, like portobello mushroom sandwiches when I was, you know, like, I don't know, not, not old in grade school. And it was like a big, like, I was proud of it. cook something. And I was like, people buy this kind of stuff in, in at delis. Like this, I'm, this is, I'm doing a gum on to something. This is all right. You know, I yeah. can make it myself and make it how you want it. So that's kind of how I fell in love with cooking, I guess. The other day in like a month ago, I had my very first time I had my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. What'd you think? I mean, sure. <laughs> it's fine, right? I mean, it's yeah, good. Whatever. Every yeah. now and then I crave it. I didn't really grow up on it. Um, yeah, I, it, it's it's fine. It, it's a good pinch. It's a good port in a storm. Yeah, didn't see the the excitement, but I get it. <laughs> what kind but, of jam did you have? See, people ask me that because it wasn't grape jam. So they said it wasn't a traditional. It was like raspberry jam. That's fine. I They're all kind. It's all kind. I mean, you get it, man. It's all just kind of sweet. Are you a creamy or crunchy guy? I do both. I don't really have like very strong people, people get I'm not a favorite. Strong I'm opinions. not a favorites person. You know, I guess if I had a pick like right now, I think I would go um I think I'd pick smooth. Okay. That's fine. I think you're a little bit of ahead of your time in a good way. So you love fermentation, right? And that started early age. Uh and it's funny when people were locked down, we're all like in the house. People start doing a little bit of that. And I had some guests already on on a podcast and some are from Eastern Europe, and they do a lot of that. How old were you when you did your first kind of uh, experimentation with fermentation? And what was, was something that tasted really, really bad? Oh, man. Um, I wasn't that young. I mean, my parents, I didn't grow up like sauerkraut with my mom or my grandma or something. Like, I'm a very traditional, you know, New York City kind of area mutt when it comes to like my, you know, Irish, Dutch italian and like it was all just kind of all that we didn't have like it wasn't like a strong heritage anywhere for us where it was like this is what grandma and her grandma or whatever made there was nothing really passed down to me when it came to that besides like tomato sauce you know what i mean and like mm. you know skin a deer or something which is all very great and helpful but um yeah, i didn't pick it up until i worked at bon appetit and a lady gifted me she was a food stylist at the time i don't know what, what she does now maybe she's still a food stylist. ali narni if you're listening thank you very much but she gifted me she just saw me i don't know we just got along and she gifted me a scoby and she gave me a little she came in with a, a little recipe she gave me for how much sugar and tea and little directions and i was like all right this is cool i guess it's awesome i had a little area in the test kitchen at the time where i could tinker around and that's kind of where it kind of where it, my curiosity for it kind of grew. I probably fermented something when I was younger, certainly unintentionally at times that I don't remember, but pro probably like we probably did some like kind of experiments with things where we like put something in a soda bottle and let it like blow up or something. You know what I mean? I don't think we ever like did something for, for culinary purposes, but yeah, um, yeah I remember I, like, we used to put like tomatoes from the garden, like, in like Ziplocs and just let them blow up. Like, and you know what I mean? Like just cause it was yeah, just for fun. Yeah. But that was early stages. But to your point, man, it's, it's super, super old. I mean, it's as old as, as old as people eating, I'd imagine. Right. I mean, way past it's the original refrigeration, I guess. Right. Uh, for lack of better description on my end, it's where you wanted to take a, a bumper crop or a harvest or a kill or something. And you wanted to, preserve it and let it last and it also happens to be like the foundation for umami i mean like hell there's a i'm no expert there's a million people probably 10 million people that know a lot more about it than i do you know and like i said i don't come from a background of of culinary 
rich culture. I'm just kind of a curious sponge. I'm kind of just a little uh, a molecule bouncing around this world like everyone else. And I just happen to like fermenting some things. And I'm learning and, you know, I make mistakes. And I certainly have made wine. I always tell wine. Wine to people. I always tell people wine. E- very easy to make. Yeah. Very hard to make well, you know what I mean? And very hard to make. Like, I've made some disgusting wine. I've made a kvass that was absolutely garbage, putrid mm-hmm. in flavor and smell. Um, I don't know, you know, it's some of the early days there. When things go, things kind of go. and You know it, man. Some things can certainly decompose and give off stronger odors than others. But yeah. Working at Bon Appetit, assuming you have to be a little bit of aware what people like. You know, some trends. You do your own thing, but some trends. Is there any food trends that you saw in the last few years that you wish would stop and why? Trends, though. <sighs> no, I don't want to sound like like that person. I guess, like, I mean, because, like, people, are, you know, some people hate caramelized shallot foam on type of scallops. But, like, and yeah, it's kind of obnoxious. And, like, I don't really do. But, you know, so I've had and sometimes it's really good. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I'm, I kind of can get into anything, for better or worse. Have you ever thought about having your own restaurant? Yes, And no, I, I maybe down the line, I don't know how much of a traditional restaurant I'd be able to do. I'd almost love to be like, it's either going to go like this, where I'm going to be an old man, an older guy. I'm probably going to wear shorts and like flip flops on the line. I'll probably have 10 seats. I'll cook what I want when I'm out. I almost like, you know what I mean? Like this, that's it. This is what it is. It's I'm not trying to do nights and weekends and hustles and, and crank out, you know, 70 covers or 700 covers. I'm not, you know, unless I'm just the face of it and I have a partner and we build a team and that's its own monster. I, I don't, I, I have a hard time right now concept, you know, being working a line every day. Um, and I have such an admiration and respect for chefs. Like I don't call myself a chef. I don't consider myself really a chef to me. A chef is someone who is, whether it's just themselves or, 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 or running a team of people where you're preparing food and a service for people and where it's and it's it's not just like you know me doing a video and that's it and then we're on to the next thing and you know next week and again maybe that's just me but like it, it, you're performing a, a a service on a on a, on a uh, if not daily semi-daily you know cadence you know where you're actually that's you're cooking you're preparing food for people whether it's catering or a restaurant or a, a coffee truck whatever you're doing but that you know where you're making food for people And on it with a team, or even yourself for that matter, I guess. Um, Sorry, what was the question? The question was if you want a restaurant. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Maybe one day, you know, maybe one day. It would have to be a real unique thing, whether it was just, like I said, a real greasy spoon with like me and one person, or if I like had built the right team and something special and a nice place that we wanted to to do something. But yeah, yeah, maybe one day I'll be there. It's it's all it's it's a hustle, man. And I, I'm I don't have to tell you, and I'm sure half the people listening, but like, it ain't all what like the Food Network and TV shows made it look like for a while. I mean, it's hard freaking work, man. It's when everyone else is going out, drinking and eating and hanging out nights and weekends, fun times. You're in there cranking, man, and usually not getting paid a lot, you know, and working your ass off. You better love it, you know, because it's it can really suck, and it can also be an amazing thing, you know. So like. I've worked in some restaurants over the years, you know, nothing crazy, you know, but like for a couple of years and got some experiences of hostile, big turn and burn kitchens. And then also much chiller, slower formats. And like, for me, I never really dug that. Like, I don't I'm always in the weeds type of shit. Like for me, it's, I don't know. I don't want to do that. I love food. I love learning. I like cooking, but I don't necessarily always, I've always been a better, like 
event guy. Like, we're, there's a night you need a guy in the foxhole with you for a night. We can, I can, I, we can play hell for a night. I don't want to do that shit tomorrow. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I think chefs are more chilling nowadays than they used to. I agree, man. That pendulum turned, and it had to. It was too toxic, and it was, and it's yeah. not a healthy place to to create anything. In 2010, I was in Brussels in a two Michelin star restaurant uh, doing inter- final internship from culinary school. And these French people were yelling at me since 7 a.m. I was like, why are you so Abuses. upset? Yeah, I was like, it why? So what did I do? About. Yeah, why are you so pissed about 7 a.m. to have coffee? And, you know, it was working from 7 to like, not 7, but it was like 8 a.m. to midnight with two hours break in the afternoon from Monday to Saturday. And when people ask me, and my career kind of changed very quickly because as soon as I finished culinary school, I was accepted to be the head chef here in D.C. for the Portuguese embassy. That's why I came to the U.S. So my story is a little different. I'm not in a restaurant, right? I'm an embassy. It's a little different. It's my menus and stuff, which is cool, but it's my own pace. But when people ask me like, oh, did you have a good time? Don't you want a Michelin star restaurant? I was like, no, because people, my experience was just people literally like yelling. I remember we had to wait spinach. And put in vacuum, you know, vacuum sealed, whatever. It was like yeah. three ounces. And one time, I don't know, I was just tired. It was like 3.1. And she the chef slept. saw me. He's just like behind me. And I don't know if you ever had a French person yelling at you at 8 a.m. It's not very right. pleasant. And no, I would just be like, it. sorry, dude. I'll take a couple of leaves to make you happy. So, But but I think it's different. I think the, I think the whole very French, very military, I think that kind of is going away. Hopefully. Yeah, that... that what a lot of chefs and restaurants are brought up on, especially like before me and the generation, it was that brigade led kind of, you know, that classic foundation, that French classic, just, yeah, very militant, you know, and like to each their own. And I can see how that works and they produce, they can produce awesome stuff, but at the cost and on the backs of what and who, you know, like, and again, if it works to, to each their own, but it was not my, not my pace of work or play or, or even just mental psych mental health. Yeah, nowadays there's a lot of open kitchens, and we were just in Charleston last week, actually. We went to Butcher and Bee, and cool. we're just sitting right in front of the kitchen. Now we're actually talking like everybody's chilling. There's just, you know, the order comes in, cool, let me fry some eggs, let me whatever, buy. There's no, it's pretty chilled. And a lot of places, I think, more and more are like that. Yeah. It had to, man, because no yeah. one was going to work there anymore. And you know what? And then once that did start to swing, and social media was out there and there's everyone can have a, a voice and everyone's got a camera on their phone, all that abusive shit you, which you shouldn't be doing now you can't do yeah, because yeah, you're, yeah. you know, they're going to, they're going to cancel your ass as they should. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't be like that to people just on a moral level. I don't think it even makes sense on a, on a business level. If you're mean to your employees and I've been like, even in construction if you're when your employer is a dick and you hate them or her or whoever for that matter, you're not happy going to work and whether you're making shoes or croissants or hanging telephone poles, if you're miserable going in there, you're not going to do your best work period. Mm -hmm. So like, why not build an atmosphere that nurtures positivity and creation and, and healthy atmospheres, right? Cause then you would think people would steal less. They would cook better. They'd be cleaner. They'd care more. Can't we all just love each other? I know, right? Um, <laughs> uh, shifting the conversation slightly. This is the not rapid fire questions, but first memory of taste. Man, that's a tough one. First memory of taste. Oh, I don't know if I've ever thought about that. Well, let's go, let's let's think right now. Man, I, maybe I, I like the first thing that came to my head, but I think it's because we were talking about it. Was like mom's tomato sauce and like sneaking in 
And like she would start it in the morning, she'd make her meatballs in the cast iron, and then they'd go into the sauce. And like I would come throughout the day, I'd come in from like being outside, and like she'd be like upstairs or whatever she was, and I would steal a meatball. And that's that's very fond, very fond memory of taste. So let's just do that one. Underrated ingredients. Underrated. Fresh bay leaves. Okay. Love them. I love growing them. Uh, I have a bad reputation from people's neglected spice cabinets. They're not meant to be 25 years old and left in your in – your, I don't even want them dry. Just give me them fresh. They're sherbety and fruity and uh, – ah, oh, they're just delightful. And you don't – people don't go, oh, let me put a half a bay leaf in. I'm going to put 25 of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're wonderful and you kind of need a little bit of them. Huge fan of those. I don't know if it's underrated, maybe in America, but just like seedless pepper flakes, like Marasma beer or like, a, you know, like an like Aleppo style pepper where they're just oily and they bleed in your food. And I don't have all the seeds everywhere. It's just a delightful ingredient. Overrated ingredients. Overrated ingredient. Um, I wanted to say dry pasta, but that's, that's not it. Why you want to say Over- dry pasta? I think because I just don't love it. It's good, and don't get me wrong, I love it. It's getting a little too personal, but like I, it, like I don't digest it very well. You don't <laughs> so digest like, dry pasta, okay, man? Like I don't know. I think it's just like I don't know. Love it. It's I, I I crave it, but like, and it's not all created equal. But like, just like generic like BS supermarket dried pasta, it's not overrated. That's a bad answer. Um, it's a great answer. You think so? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Brad Leone saying dry pasta mess up his stomach. It's amazing. Well, back to it's probably not very good flour traditionally. Probably. You know what I mean? It's probably yeah. you're probably just consuming terrible gluten that's just highly refined. It's probably mm-hmm. because I don't consume it often, and especially from bread to that matter, or you know, maybe I'm just become slightly slightly intolerant to it because it is. I feel it probably is bad for most people's digestive systems. Maybe Any I'm gluten or just. It. No, I'm not gluten intolerant at all. Okay. I, I may I love making bread. I can eat a loaf of it with butter, as you should, fresh. You know, it's just it's it's wonderful. I absolutely love bread. I'd be screwed without it. But like, but it's the it's dried pasta. Overrated for me. I also think maybe like just vegetable oils, like highly processed, refined oil, canola, like processed one, not like cold-pressed finishing canola oil like Jeremy Charles puts on his scallops up in Newfoundland. Blew my mind. But refined frying oils. Overrated. Probably toxic. Best midnight snack. Not much of a midnight snacker, but uh, but I get what you're saying. Um, ooh, I'm a sucker for, like, you gotta, like, brush your teeth after and, like, wash your face for that matter. But, like, not to just be such, like, a... This is gonna contradict, like, everything I just said, but, like, I absolutely love lightly tomato like lightly sauced with tomato sauce like cold leftover pasta in the fridge ah just come in there in your underwear and just eat it with a spoon it sounds great (laughs) that i i i I like cold leftovers whether it's like a sandwich or like grilled chicken or whatever the hell it is but just like leftover dinner protein kind i kind of crave like a quick little protein bite so you have no problem waking up at 9 a.m grab that leftover pasta and eat it cold for breakfast yeah I, you know what it's just if i do it's probably if i'm pulling that move i've probably been drinking a little and <laughs> and let's face it at that point the, the whole system's a little fuck is a little fucked anyway <laughs> one meal you can eat for the rest of your life 
there's so many, man, probably chicken noodle soup. Okay. Or just like a clean soup with a little bit of noodle. It can be dried pasta. Um, <laughs> or like, like I'm a big pho fan. Like just, I'm a big broth guy, you know, a big, big, big broth guy. And like real broth, you know, whether it's like, you know, from your own carcasses of bones or fish or whatever, but just like when you when it's cold, you can like bounce a, a rock off it, you know, like set up high gelatin. Yeah, I could, that makes a perfect meal. Any Whether it's the first thing you have in the morning, microplane, a little garlic, a little fermented lemongrass, ginger, chili paste in there. And I mean, coffee, throw it right over your shoulder. I mean, I wish I did this. I wish I just had a vat of this going always. I really should be better at it. But like that, um, you can add vegetables to it. Yeah, broth. Give me a good broth. It's broth. Okay. With the accoutrements. A strange food combination that you do. We never think it's weird. That some people might look at you like, mm, this happens a lot in the sweet and salty world. I give examples. I always give examples here. I teach cooking classes as well. And some people told me like a peppermint candy cane inside of a dill pickle, popcorn and tomato soup. There's weird people out there. Popcorn uh, and tomato soup, I can see. I mean, that makes sense. But the peppermint with the okay, pickle. Can we, can we break down why it makes sense to you, the popcorn and tomato soup? Yeah, well, it's just because it's like a salty, starchy crunch. It's almost like a okay. bread. It's going to be lightly absorbent. It's going to get that weird little texture, like like a like a marinated cereal, where it's not perfectly crunchy. It's not soggy, but it does like <laughs> a nice oyster crackery thing. I kind of would eat that right now. That sounds there. Boring. You go. Um, so, do you have any food combination that some people might think it's weird? I wish I thought of that. That sounds great. Um, yeah, you know what? Frig the Italians. It's and Parmesan cheese. It's what, fish, sorry? Seafood and cheese. Oh, fish and, fish and cheese. cheese. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. I've had, I was at a restaurant, one of my favorite little hole-in-the-wall Italian spots in uh, in the West Village in New York. And um, I remember I got the mixed grill one. It's not crazy. It's not fancy. People walk past it all the time, but I love it. Great pasta. Um, good fit. Everything's – I mean, nothing's going to blow your mind. Nothing's executed to perfection. But it's consistent, and it's good, and it's whatever. The guys are very Italian. They're a little rude. I kind of like it. And um, I got the mixed grill one time. It was a bunch of different mixed fish. And it came with a little thing of spaghetti, real nice spaghetti, perfectly sauced. He comes by, you know, pepper, you want cheese, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yes, please. And I go, oh, can I also get a little parm on, on my grilled fish here? And he looked at me. He goes, no. And he walked away. <laughs> so that's why I say frig the Italians. Maybe just frig that Italian. But I think it's a thing. I don't think, I don't think Italian culture is big yeah, on cheese. it's on fine. Their, yeah. I, I asked- it is fine. I asked Joe Sasto, the pasta guy, right? He's a and he said, oh, of cool. course, yeah, put everything, just put the cheese, put the fish, put everything. Who cares? Yeah, it's Parmesan. Do anything yeah. with it. It's wonderful. It's fine. The name of the podcast is Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. Those are actually two Portuguese phrases. Turning chickens means someone that has a lot of experience, and breaking dishes means someone that has exceeded expectations. Do you think you've been turning more chickens or breaking more dishes? I'm glad you brought this up, but you kind of, I was going to ask you because I had no idea what it meant. And I was like, what? what's going on with this title? I know. Um, yeah, maybe breaking dishes. Cause I don't know if like people think I'm a great chef, but like, and I'm not like a huge recipe guy. But if you give me a good old bunch of ingredients, I mean, I'll make you something real nice. We can, I'm a good, I like to cook. So I mean, yeah, I think, and like, I'm not known for my sophisticated plating or cooking or anything for that matter, other than just like, approachable learning and fermentation. So I think, yeah, I think I'm going with the latter for sure. We're breaking okay. dishes all day. Bud. And at the end of the podcast, I tell my guests to sell their fish. In Portuguese, someone tells to sell your fish. It's to talk about yourself. Just 
you know, where people can find you, what's in the future. I like Do you that. take a little break from like, you know, something? Just tell us. Yeah, yeah. Sell us your fish. I like that. Sell Good way fish. to end it, man. There you go. A, I like that. Um Yeah. So yeah, I mean I kind of gearing up. I'm building I'm starting my own YouTube channels uh come next 2023. Kind of uh, where I, I've made a stu I live on coastal Connecticut here on the border of Rhode Island, I moved away from New York. And I was working with Bon Appetit for like a decade now. And we kind of, you know, my contract's up with them and uh had a blast, learned a lot with them. And um yeah, so I'm really just kind of building my own team and uh, we're kind of gearing up to have two different types of shows. One where it's in the kitchen and then one where it's out in the world. Kind of like, kind of it's alive, but with its own little voice and language. And now in complete control, I am, right? Where it's like, I can, you know, everything is is possible. So the one out in the field, we're going to call Local Legends, where I go to anyone or any place and we can dig into what they're doing, whether it's a garlic farmer, whether it's you, whether... I would love to go to Portugal, uh, anywhere like that, where it can kind of just like, you know, we can geek out in someone's world and showcase their world a little bit. I can learn, you can learn, we can all do something together. And it doesn't always have to be food, but when it is food, and it'll often be food, I can learn, say you're a tomato farmer and I go to your tomato farm and we can have that whole experience on the farm. We could taste things. But then I also go back with half a case of tomatoes. I bring it back to the studio for the other show where now I can showcase how to, I would like ferment it or use it or whatever it may be. So where they can play into each other and we can have, we can have a lot of fun. So really excited for that. And um, just looking, looking forward to the future. I love working with other brands, man. And hopefully, uh, hopefully it's going to open up a bunch more travel because I miss it. And I feel like, you know, uh, COVID didn't help anyone when it came mm -hmm. to that, but, you know, nowadays getting back into it. And that's my favorite type of storytelling. You know what I mean? Like I like, and not to speak of myself in like a third person because it's kind of weird, but like I like making Brad stuff and very like just me kind of cooking. But like what I really thrive and what I really love is, is going out with people and, and, and learning, you know, those universal languages because food is one like music or, you know, like art, you know, it's, it can, it transcends, governments and boundaries and borders you know yeah. what i mean like i always tell people i i doubt that the farmer in you name it afghanistan portugal russia is much different than the farmer here who's providing for his family you know what i mean so like let's just cut the bullshit and make some food what's for dinner tonight great question um i don't know it's always <laughs> like and it's always on like it's always on my mind uh and i'm kind of like a planner where i need to like you know i wake up and it's like like my wife's kind of the opposite and maybe because I'm always doing it, but like I wake up and it's like, all right, we got to come up with game plan. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what are we going to make for dinner? Um, and I kind of just go by what I'm craving or what we have. Last night was like a little taco bowl kind of mix. I had like a little mixed. It was um, pork and, um, and elk meat with a little bit of, and I, I sauteed it with some onions and some pork fat. And we made little like kids had little like roll up kind of like burrito -y things. And I do more of like a bowl with different bed, just like a deconstructed type of thing. Um, but tonight, good, good question, man. I, I don't know. Maybe seafood. I'm kind of craving shrimp. Maybe right. I'll get some shrimp. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll put some Parmesan cheese on it. But <laughs> just, to, just to piss the Italians off. <laughs> just to piss off that guy. <laughs> Brad, this was a pleasure. <laughs> pleasure was all mine. Thank you very much, Brad, for coming on the podcast. If you liked that little introduction, you know, this was something special for someone special for me. It's like an inside joke, but she really loves Brad, so she wanted to be on the podcast. 
somehow, someway. Please reach out to me if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions for guests. You can reach me on my Instagram, David G. Martins Chef. That's D-A-V-I-D-E-G-M-A-R-T-I-N-S Chef. Or my website, davidgmartins.com. Thanks, Brad. It was really cool. He's amazing. I'll be back next week. Take care. Have fun. And go Portugal because of the World Cup. Goodbye.